Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. 103.7 Lafayette. 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. You can watch us simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111. We will be speaking to Cokie Riley uh, in the next segment, but other than that, we'll have open phone lines on this miserable Wednesday morning, and the Astros continue. They've done it again. They did it in May. It's like the whole goal of the Astros' season this year is to keep the Red Sox alive. Like, they had a chance to bury them in May, and they resurrected their season, and now they had a chance to bury them uh, in the beginning of August, and they are resurrecting their season while, give you know, trying to get me – Panic attacks. I have. I mean, the gloves are off on the on the um, the icky worry watch. We'll call it the icky worry watch. He is a complete mess right now. Like, look, guys go through slumps during seasons. It's it, it, it's it's baseball. It's the thing that makes. Baseball so different than the other sports. Like, J.D. Martinez has been an elite hitter in this league for a while now. He just went through an 0 for 26. 0 for 26. Elite players in other sports don't have those kind of stress. It, it, it's just a, it's a game of failure. So I get that. But... The reason why I'm more worried about Icky, and for those of you who don't know who Icky is, that's Kyle Tucker. I nicknamed him Ichabod Crane, Icky for short, because he's so goofy. Uh, man, the Astros have some goofy players. But um, what worries me about him is that he has a very unique swing that I do not like. Now, I've liked the results over the last two seasons of it, but I've not liked from the beginning. It's it's. I'm not saying it's identical, but it reminds me very much of the swings of Cody Bellinger and Christian Yelich, who a few years ago were like MVP-type guys, and then all of a sudden they fell off the face of the earth as elite players and became outs. Outs. And they no longer are elite players. And I, I, I'm really worried that somebody that's they they figured Bellinger and them out and all they do is strike out. And I'm worried that Tucker, Icky's gonna be in that same deal. This is very concerning. Very concerning. Right now, it's not the Houston Astros. It's the Houston outs because they got outs up and down that lineup. That's all they are is a bunch of outs. Uh, you know, uh, they pinched hit at the end last night. It's time to play these guys, and hopefully they can get some base hits. Nobody's ever on base. 
I cannot watch Jake Myers for the rest of this season. Jake Myers has got to go. The, the, the trade deadline came yesterday and no center fielder was added. What in the world were the Cubs asking for Ian Happ? We're talking about Ian Happ. He was terrible last season. Terrible. He was okay. He's been pretty good this year. But how how much, what were the Cubs asking for these people? I mean, I like Vasquez, but he wasn't the best catcher out there. I'm okay and willing to give Mancini a try, but he wasn't the best first baseman outfielder out there. I understand they don't want to give up a whole lot, but there has to be somebody out there to play center field. They took, we talking about putting Tucker in center field. Tucker can't get off first base right now. How are we going to put him in center field? He can't be worrying about having to play center field. He don't even know how to hit right now. He is a complete mess. His, his body's not even right. I mean, if you watch him hit, he's a complete clown show right now. Now, I'm not saying he can't come out of it, but uh, because his swing is so, that new age uppercut swing, it really worries me. He, he just looks horrendous right now. He doesn't have any chance of getting a hit. Like none. He just, it, he's just a, he's an, he's an all-American out right now. And if, it, again, it's not about, wow, they're going to make the play. Well, it's not about making the playoffs. I've done that a few times in my life now. Trying to win the World Series here. And how are you going to do it when you don't have a center fielder? And I guess the only solution I guess the only solution we're talking about is moving Icky to center field. Icky needs to focus on hitting. His mind, he's so goofy. You can't add add on to, uh, can you get a base hit? You can't have him worrying about adding the responsibility of playing center field. Oh, he is just awful right now. Thank you. I mean, I don't. Uh, it didn't do any good because the Astros never score a run at home. Like, I mean, it, this business of it's been going on for five or six years now. This business of we cannot score any runs at home has got to stop. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Now, I I, I really appreciate. And I'm grateful for the fact that the Astros pitch so well, especially at home. Why this is some, I mean, it's almost like it's, you know, Detroit or something. I, I don't know, I don't know how the Astros have done it, but they learned they learned years ago how to pitch at home. It, it doesn't make any sense. It, it doesn't seem like that hard of a park to hit at. On the surface. But I appreciate the fact that they that they know how to pitch. But how come everybody else knows how to pitch? <coughs> there too, Astros never score runs at home. That's why this whole trash can thing is so ignorant. It's just ignorant. It was stupid that they did it because it didn't work, and it was stupid that everyone keeps talking about it because it didn't work. 
They were a terrible offensive team then at home, and they still are. Just awful. I'm so sick of never getting a base hit at home. Score a run. Awful. Let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, how you doing this morning? Oh, not good. How are you, sir? Uh, I'm doing all right. I want you to take a deep breath and calm down, and I'm going to change the se- subject for you for a second. Okay. And take your mind off of baseball. And I want to know <laughs> if you made up your mind yet on who you was going to choose for the AFC West division. Oh, no. We're going to – I, I think I'm, I think the only thing I've decided, and especially after the news again yesterday, um, Tim Patrick is our blowout of knee and he's already out for the year. I think there's just way too many question marks on the Denver Broncos. So I think I'm going to have to pick them fourth, unfortunately. But as far as the other three, I have not decided. No, sir. Okay, well, here's my, my nugget I'm going to throw in there. There's way too many changes for the other teams – well, I'm picking the Chiefs to win the whole division. And the reason why I'm saying that is there's way too many changes for the other teams. When you look at the Broncos, they have a new head coach, new quarterback. When you look at the Raiders, they have a new head coach. When you look at the Chargers, they have a new head coach. The only consistent with, with, the, with the Chiefs, they have the same quarterback, same head coach. So... Well, the, char- wanna, if, the Chargers if, if have this. The Chargers have a second-year coach. He's not a brand new well, coach. Well, yeah, but it's still he's young. Chiefs, but he's yeah, it's not his first year. Going on there. <clears throat> look, I, 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 you always want to pick the team with the most consistency. Look, I, I, I don't, I don't. I mean, it's very possible you're going to be correct, and 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 I. I we're going to start that process here pretty soon. I've thrown that out there. I, I don't know. It, 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 it's a it's gonna it's gonna be tough to figure out. A lot of it's gonna have to do obviously with injuries. Uh, I don't know that if I buy that the Chiefs are actually gonna be better without Tyreek Hill. I've been that idea has been floated out there a lot. Um, but we'll see. No, we got we got August to delve into it. It's a great issue. Uh, yeah, I'm not saying they're gonna be better, <laughs> but when you see what the Packers did and you see what the Chiefs did. It's not that those guys are going to be replaceable, but most of the time they were decoys. And you, you can find guys to do the similar things, but not actually replace those guys. But as in the systems and the quarterbacks, that, 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 that's the most consistent out of all four of those teams. If the Raiders, you know. if the Raiders running back stay healthy i think they're going to be they're going to be tough to beat but the raiders don't play good defense neither does the chiefs but i'll put my the raiders can get defense. after the quarterback just about as good as anybody in the league that's, that's the, the one thing. thing now their secondary is iffy at times that's true but they can get after the quarterback but so. They don't have no type of defense, well, secondary at all. Well, their secondary they're, they're, is an issue at times. That's true. And their safety stay injured. Their cornerback stay injured. And That's I true. came in and line back on the team. <laughs> I appreciate the call, sir. Thank you. All right. Let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Hello. Hey, good morning, Kevin. Good morning. 
man, I would say it would be a good morning. Maybe I should have preferenced my uh, my 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 greeting to you, but uh, I heard that Smoke Monday got hurt at Saint <clears throat> Camp. Well, apparently he got hurt. They said they called it a significant knee injury, and you know, typically we, I wouldn't be talking about a a free agent rookie, you know, a player, but from all the reports that I heard yesterday and leading up to training camp was that this guy was was going to be a player for us. And, you know, every year during camp, there's always this one guy that really nobody talks about, and then he ends up making the team. But then, so the guy gets hurt, and apparently it wasn't on the field. It was after after practice when they, when they noticed that he had a, a significant knee injury. But... <clears throat> All the reports after the fact was like, man, they can't believe they lost Smoke Monday. You know, everybody's reporting on it. And so I was like, man, this guy seems like he would have been a player for us. But, you know, it's just kind of, you know, unfortunate. Look, that, you know, look, we- look, 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 look. I, I am and I am hyper sensitive about bad news on the Saints right now because of the last two seasons. And so, but Kawan Baker you know, getting suspended because of PDs. He wasn't going to play. And Smoke Monday, it's never it's never good when a guy gets hurt. I think he had zero chance of, of making his team. I think his I think the the top thing that he was going to be as a practice squad player. And if he's as good as they were saying, uh, he probably would have been a practice squad player. The good part about it is if he's as good as they say, which I, the, the Saints roster is way too good for Smoke Monday to make, in my opinion, even if he stays healthy. But especially at that position, they are <clears throat> they are loaded at safety. So I don't. The only good thing about it is because he's injured, they can put him on the injured list, and there's really no chance anybody. It's easier to protect him than you know someone could approach him if they were just going to try to put him on the practice squad. So if he really does have good long-term potential, they have a better chance of keeping him and protecting him here this way with him injured than they would have if he'd have just been a practice squad guy. Yeah, I I, I agree with what you're saying, definitely. But uh, but I I disagree that that I I, I think he would have made the team uh, because – who who just, among just the like, safeties is not going to make the team? Man, just keeping keep I keep my ears to what's going on around around anything and everything involving the Saints during training camp, and from from all, all accounts that I got from, you know, just in my different sources, he was saying that man, this guy, he, you couldn't miss him on the field, and you know, every you, we know we know every year, it's always somebody, whether it's a Pierre Thomas. Where there's a Callaway, we didn't hear anything about Callaway until until they they, they named the starting roster and everybody was like, who, you know? And then when you saw him on the field, it was like, okay, I understand why. But you know, we'll we'll never know now because you know the injury. But right, well, we'll know if he gets healthy and makes it makes the club next year. I, I just think that might be the toughest position on the whole team to make right now. Safety, I think. Unless, unless Marcus May just doesn't show up or is suspended and is hurt and never, but if Marcus May is anything like he's been in his career, I, I mean, I, I think 
a guy like Dennis Allen is going to trust P.J. Williams in all the years he's been in there before he's going to trust a Smoke Monday who's an undrafted free agent. I just don't believe there's any way he could get past Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and Marcus May or Tyron Matthew. or um, I mean, They love Bryce Thompson, undrafted free agent from last year. They've t- they, they're still raving about him. I just don't think there's enough spots unless there's a lot of injuries in the secondary. Right, right. But we'll see. Well, give me give me uh give me another player to watch that you think is uh that has a shot at actually making this team and I'll hang up in this. All right, thanks. <clears throat> well, I was going to get to the – we need to get to Koki, but I, I was going to get to the Saints the next – but I got to tell you, I, I don't know if he's going to make the team, but I, I've been intrigued with this cat, Chris Herndon, the tight end that they just signed for a long time. And they signed him yesterday. We're going to talk about that. But first, let's take a timeout. And when we come back, we'll shift gears with Koki Riley. I, the Astros are saving his Red Sox season or trying to. Once again, we'll see if it works. We'll talk about that, and we'll get to LSU, too, with Koki Riley. Next on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Here on Footnotes, you may not always exactly hear what you want to hear, but you will hear what you need. And, of course, I got all these, oh, you're an idiot. And, you know, what kind of Saints fan are you? Look, I'm not telling you what I want to happen. I'm telling you what's going to happen, what more than likely is going to happen. Back to more of the sports talk you need to listen to with footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana sports station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. If you would like to win four tickets, to the Astros-Orioles game. We'll see if the Astros can score a run at mid in May Park between now and August the 27th. But you can win a game. You can win four tickets to the game, I should say. A tour of mid in May Park where the Astros never score a run. And hotel accommodations for that Saturday night's game. Astro Weekend Getaway powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian, Houston, downtown and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. All right, we have with us Koki Riley. Well, for the second time this season, the Astros are giving CPR to the Red Sox season and looks like very successfully. How are you, sir? I'm, I'm doing really well. Thanks again for uh, having me on. And uh, back-to-back pretty surprising wins for the Red Sox in Houston, though. That's, that is for darn sure. Oh man, it's just unbelievable. So you you get Hosmer, um, you know, you gave up Vasquez, but I mean, I think everyone acts like you know. I mean, I look, I like Christian Vasquez. I I was fine with the Astros picking him up, but everyone acts like this guy's like, you know, Yogi Berra or something. I mean, that doesn't mean the Red Sox are throwing in and giving up on the season. And it's all about pitching with the Red Sox, really. It all it, it's all about are they going to get any pitching? Whether they give up Christian Vasquez doesn't mean they're white flagging it to me. I agree with you 150. Um, percent A lot of the a lot of the narrative, not just locally but also nationally, has been 
the Red Sox traded an all-star catcher in Christian Vasquez, but they also added pieces. So why does this make any sense? I completely disagree. I think they sold high on Vasquez. I think Vasquez for well, what the last four or five years as a starter has really only been a, a starter caliber player for about two of them. Um, I mean, 20, 2019, he was really good. Um, he had that really good 20 home run season. Seemed a little fluky at the time, but he actually played pretty well. And then this year, he's been pretty decent. But other than that, he's really been more or less just a backup catcher. Uh, I think it's a decent move for the Astros to bring him in. But I think the Red Sox just kind of sold high on him. And they didn't really want to spend the assets necessarily, necessary to resign him either. Um, but then, and even the guys they brought in, they didn't give up that much to get them. Um, and, and I think it was for the Red Sox, it was just trying to work the margins and, and always try to improve the farm system. They always try to do that, but also see if they can add a couple dudes, uh, a guy like Hosmer and a guy like Sam, without actually giving up too too much, and which is exactly what they did. So, I mean, <clears throat> I think Red Sox fans should be fairly happy about what they did at the deadline, honestly. What you need to do is commission um, Major League Baseball to where you could play the Astros another six times this season instead of <laughs> instead of just one more time. It's really strange. I mean, they keep on beating the Astros, but they can't win a single game in their own division. It's, it's uh, I can't really explain that one for you. Well, I can explain it because the Astros have about seven outs in their lineup right now when they're at home. Like they can hit on the road when they come home. They can't. They don't ever score a run. It's unbelievable. I mean, I just don't understand how you could be that bad offensively at home. Anyway, let's forget about baseball, uh, <laughs> LSU football. I, I, I do. Some, we're going to start it with you here in this segment. I do some each summer, where I try to determine. I guess you call it the the floor of acceptability. In other words, what's the record? What's the last, the lowest record, like we talk mostly about the Saints, Tigers, and Cajuns around here. So for those three teams, what's the lowest record that they could get to that season that would still be mostly acceptable for the majority of fans? Obviously, there are exceptions no matter what. I mean, for some people, you go 11-1. and one. If you lose to their own team, it's not acceptable. But I'm talking about the majority of fans. With all of the questions around LSU, what would you think would be LSU's lowest uh, acceptable record for this season? Hmm. Good question. I think seven wins. Um, I think if they go anything less than seven, I, I think that would be kind of a tipping point. Uh, um, and, yeah, I'll include the bowl game in that. Um, but I, I think – if they're less than seven, and they're a below 500 team under Brian Kelly with some of the top-tier talent that they have. And I think if they're reasonably healthy, they should get to seven. And if they're below seven, I mean, which could happen, but I think people would be disappointed, and arguably rightfully so, just because of how talented the top-tier talent is and um, Brian Kelly's tracker as a coach. Well, I think if you if you put a lot of faith, which they may be correct, uh, in the coaches poll, because what were they pick like fifth in the division? Yeah, so that's roughly right. That's about seven, yeah. and so that what you said goes along with that. But m- m- I got to tell you, my first reaction was eight. I, I just I don't know. I mean, are are, are are people who are not that down on LSU? Is that kind of pie in the sky thinking? You think a little bit? 
Um, I don't think – I think eight is my prediction flat out. I think they're going to get to eight. Yeah. Um, I think pie in the sky is 10 or 11. or And, and nine is like the slight high side, I think. Um, but eight is, I think, what they probably will do just because of – I just think they have too many players that are potential first-round picks and – too many options that can potentially go right at quarterback for this team to be like a six-win team or even a seven-win team. I, I feel like they have quite a bit of talent. I think that's been a little bit overlooked, I think, from the national perspective. But at the same time, I, I totally understand if you're a little bit skeptical of this team just because, I mean, what they're a game below 500 team the last two year program the last two years and they're bringing in so much new, not just personnel-wise, but also an entirely new coaching staff except for Brad Davis. So, I mean, it's going to take a minute for all those pieces to sort of mesh, don't you think? No, I, I think, it's, like I said, I think this is just a season full of question marks. So when we do our, our high school previews of the Kenny Ann Advocate, we kind of separate it in three categories, what we know, what we don't know, and what we think. So if you were going to do that to LSU – as they begin training camp in August now, um, is what is there anything to even put in the what we know category? Like, are there any like foundational pieces? Well, we we know they can do this. I mean, is there how, how many paragraphs could you put in that category right now? Um, I can put a decent amount of them. Um, not like a whole book full and. Not like, um, I guess in article terms, 800, 900 words full, but I could give you definitely a few positional groups and a few players who I think are foundational pieces who can really, really help out this team this year. Um, I look at their defensive line. I think they have arguably the best defensive line in the SEC and maybe the country, Uh, especially if it stays reasonably healthy. Um, I mean, not only not only do they have top guys like Ali Gay and B.J. Ojolari on the edge and um, a, a, a guy like Quellen Roy on the inside and Mason Smith, a former five-star recruit. They also have someone like Makai Wingo, who I guess theoretically is coming off the bench. He was an SCL, he made the SCL freshman team last year at Missouri. Like, this team has – they have so much depth on the defensive line and so much top-tier talent that they're going to they're gonna really disrupt – a lot of backfields this year, um, and they're going to disrupt a lot of quarterbacks this year. And, and that, and if your defense is based on that on a pass rush, you can get to the quarterback with four guys. Then that gives you such a huge advantage. Even if uh, they have some questions with the depth in the secondary, which I have some questions about the depth in the secondary about the whole subject. Um, and then on offense. I look at their receiving core. I mean, they they have one of the deeper receiving cores in the SEC. They might have the deepest receiving core in the SEC. Uh, Alabama has some depth, but they don't have a proven, true superstar number one like Keishon Butte. Um, and then you add Jack Fesh, you had the, the high ceiling of a guy like Malik Neighbors. You had Ray Jenkins, who's so solid. Um, I, I really love their receiving core heading into the season. So, I mean, there's definitely – aspects of the team that you look at and you're and you're, very, you're very positive about heading into the season and they are what you would say and what the advocate would say what we know okay uh if you were going to do the top three things in what we don't know hmm yeah i, I just kind of 
wrote about this um, on the advertiser, sort of about uh, four big question marks, four, I want to say negatives is kind of a kind of a bland term, but you kind of understand what I'm getting at. Yeah. And it's just sort of picking at this question, like what are some of the flaws of this team? Uh, I think the offensive line is the biggest one, just from a personnel standpoint. There's some talent there. There's some depth there. But there's absolutely zero continuity, and there's absolutely zero proven SEC starter on that offensive line. That's a big worry. Um, I mean, the fact that right now they're projected to have a freshman starting a left tackle is is a little bit concerning. I mean, left tackle is arguably the most important position on the offensive line, and they might have, they may have a freshman there. Granted, it's five star freshman, but it's 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 starting young, real young players in the offensive line in college football. I mean, I've seen that. I've seen teams try to do that dance before, and doesn't, it doesn't always work out. Usually, it doesn't work out. Um, but we'll see this season. Uh, and then, even at the guard spots, like Miles Frazier and Tremont Schwartz are, 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 you look at those two guys and you're like, okay, um, their their track record say they could do this, but it's a could, not a would and a will. Uh, so I, I, I think their offensive line is an issue heading into the season for sure. And then on defense, their cornerback depth is a problem. I mean, seven banks and Jarek Jer- Bernard Converse, or and even Makai Wingo, it might not Makai Wingo, Makai Gardner, excuse me. Uh, those guys are definitely good enough to play in the SEC, at least on paper. But after that, there's just not a lot of depth there. Um, and with guy, a guy like Greg, Greg, Greg Brooks in the, at the nickel will be fine as long as he stays healthy. But if they get any injuries to a guy like Seven Banks who has injury, who has a history of injuries, or a guy like Jarek Bernard Converse who's already been hurt during spring practices, then they're in trouble. They just don't have any sort of depth there to supplant those guys if there's a, if there's any sort of major injury. I mean, because the next guy you're looking at is someone like Karen Welch who wasn't even at spring practices. So, I, I you you have to have concerns about that cornerback depth, and you have to have concerns about the offensive line. Uh, those are kind of the two things, and if I have to add a third, it's probably just the overall continuity of the offense, just because they have so many new pieces and and, and you know good offensive football. A lot of that is just having chemistry with your receivers, knowing what adjustments you can make, um, and and just you know just having that overall continuity is you know I mean, a lot of offense is timing, right? So and they don't have really any of that. They're not even sure who the starting quarterback is going to be between two guys, let alone three, and they all play styles so that's a whole other question mark on its own as well so if i had to pick like two or three things those are the things that i would pick no i i was that was going to be my next thing i mean you kind of folded quarterback into your number three but really i uh, you know are they going to try to do they really want a running quarterback i mean because miles doesn't really fit that yeah it's a good question um i i think if you look at Brian Kelly's history and you look at Mike Denbrock's history, that question kind of – their answers kind of conflict, conflict with each other because, I mean, Denbrock told us to the media, I mean, when, uh, when they introduced all of their LSU's new assistant coaches to us, uh, that he was really open to the idea of having a quarterback who can make some plays on the run and a mobile quarterback. He really liked that idea. But then you look at a guy like Brian Kelly, and he's not afraid to play – someone who isn't quite as mobile explosive, like, for example, Jack Cohn at Notre Dame last year. Um, so it's really going to be interesting to see, like, how they actually land on that question. Um, 
And I think mobility is definitely going to play a factor. I mean, if it wasn't going to play a factor, then why is Jaden Daniels here, right? So I, it's, I don't know. I, I, I honestly don't know how to answer that question. I don't think really anyone else knows how to exactly answer that question. Even Brian Kelly, truly and honestly, doesn't know how to answer that question. Um, but I, I, I think it's a good thing that they have three quarterbacks who have pretty different styles. A guy like Garrett Nussmeyer is more of like, the playmaker with his arm, the more of the gunslinger type. You got a guy like Miles Brennan who has some gunslinger tendencies, but really is a solid veteran with a big arm. We've got a guy like Jaden Daniels, and he can rush for 600, 700 yards just by himself. So I don't know. It's going to be really interesting to see who wins the job between those two guys. But I do like the fact that they have some depth there and they have some options there. And if everything goes crazy and awry, then they even have a guy like Walker Howard who can um, at least serve as, as some sort of backup. And as a former five-star recruit, that's a pretty darn good fourth-string quarterback. So it's going to be interesting to see. You know, the way, college, the way college sports is directed 10 years from now in this situation, LSU might be able to trade with the Saints for Ian Book. <laughs> that would be a good fit. We, we, we'd know what that would look like. Yeah. Oh man! It, look, uh, look, I, 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 I'm kind of just really. I know SEC Media Days was a few weeks ago, but I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of okay. Where am I going to pr- predict LSU? And obviously, you know way more about LSU than I do this team. And yet, I'm just thinking I don't even know where to. start. I, I, I don't. I looked at their schedule, and I'm like, eh, I like some. You know, it's soft in some spots, but in other spots, I mean, we don't know how this team is going to react against Mississippi State, which torched them two years ago with theoretically more talented cornerbacks. So, to me, it's just a huge question mark, this whole LSU trying to figure out this season. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, the schedule is, I, I think, it's, I, I think their non-conference is okay, and they should be they should be able to win all those games, but they're not guaranteed, for example. And then with the conference schedule, I don't know. You, you you bring up Mississippi State, and that's a great point. Like Mississippi State is a team that, on paper, they should probably be. They have more top tier talent than they do, but Mississippi State is a lot more continuity than they do. They have a quarterback who's really proven and a very good player, Will Rogers, and a system that and that has proven that it can work under Mike Leach. So I, I mean, that game they could lose, and it wouldn't be a shock to me at all. They can also play out when they host Alabama later in the season. If they won that game, I wouldn't be absolutely stunned because they have the top tier first round pick horses to I wanna say beat them more like more than five times out of ten, probably probably only two or three times out of ten, but that's that's more of a fighting chance than most teams in the country. So I don't know. Like this is gonna be a really interesting season, like picking them who are they gonna be week to week. Uh, it's going to be interesting, but I will say, when you have a guy like Brian Kelly, with who has the most wins among active head coaches in college football for a reason, uh, that kind of creates a bit of a floor with with them, and it kind of raises that floor because if this was, say, I don't know, Brian Harson two years ago, without before we knew about some of the uh, stuff Auburn has gone through over the last two years, if they were just plucking some random power random group of five or lower power five coach then it would be a real giant question mark as to what this team would look even more of a question mark i think they're looking at what the team's going to look like this year um but the fact that it's brian kelly i think it sort of helps them 
a score perspective. Absolutely. All right. Thanks for calming my blood pressure down a little bit and uh, try to have a little mercy on on the Houston outs today when y'all play at Minute Maid Park where the Astros never score a run. So, <laughs> And you're welcome for resurrecting your season a second straight time. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's absolutely wild, but you make a great point. Uh, again, thank you so much for having me on. All right. Uh, thank you, Koki. Koki Riley of the USA Today Network and um, – you know, it, it, no, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if LSU fans know where to begin. So I certainly don't know. I got to tell you, right now I'm leaning towards eight and four. That'd be my first thought. But we, uh, we have a month to figure it out. All right, we'll take a timeout. We'll be back on the game. One zero three seven Lafayette, one zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lavia 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers. And the Houston Astros want to remind you about the game clubhouse. If you have not joined yet, you could win a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lesser Steakhouse, a $50 gift certificate to Acadiana Bar and Grill, or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. Can't win any of those great prizes or Astro tickets uh, if you don't join the clubhouse. So do so today at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. All right. Before we talk to Koki, and again, uh, the game hotline is open at 706-0111, 706-0111. Before we spoke to Koki, um, James, I believe it was, called and was talking about Smoke Monday. And look, James is a great caller. We happen to disagree on that subject. That, that's no problem. I got no, got, got no issues with that. Uh, but here, here's why I said what I said. Uh, in adi- you know, in addition to the starters, Tyron Matthew, who admittedly is not, you know, showed up yet for camp, which is a concern for a growing concern for many um, Saints fans, and Marcus May, who's the other scheduled starter. You know, PJ Williams plays a lot of safety. Chauncey Gardner Johnson, I guess you technically call him a safety. He's certainly not a cornerback. He's kind of like a hybrid. Then you've got JT Gray, who's like special teams phenom and backup safety. They're not going to release him. Uh, and then they got Daniel Sorensen, who I'm not all that high on in a safety, but he's very experienced. Another special teams guy. Look, I think the safety position is so deep. It wouldn't shock me if Sorensen didn't even make the team. And then you've got Justin Evans, who's more experienced now coming back from an injury. We'll see how he does. Plus Bryce Thompson. I just, I just think that's too... Not enough open spots there, but we'll see how, how the safety position works out. I also do think, though, that I think the fact that he got hurt, which is not good, increases the chances of him being with the Saints next year. And if he recuperates from his injury and he's as good as people think he is, well, then, um, you know, maybe, maybe he could be a future 
um, you know, asset for the Saints. We'll 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 see. Great name, and so people, you know, look, it'd be great if he turns out to be great, but I just don't think this year. All I'm saying is, the Baker news did not upset me, and the Smoke Monday news did not upset me, and I'm hypersensitive towards bad news for the Saints right now. So I refuse to let those things. Uh, the you know the Houston outs have me frustrated enough to worry about players that I don't think were going to be meaningful parts of the team this year. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Foot, how you doing? Oh, not good. Uh, so, so Foot, according to your theory, the Braves are in trouble today since we scored 13 runs yesterday, right? Well, chance most of the time, you've got to pay the piper at some point. Uh, it may happen today, it may happen tomorrow. I mean, you can't keep scoring 13 runs every game. Doesn't mean you can't win. All you got to do is play the Astros at Minute Maid Park, and all it takes is two runs to win. Doesn't mean you can't win. You just probably won't get that many hits or score that many runs in one of these next couple games. Yeah, because when it was, you had me watching the game yesterday, and when, when we got to 10, I was saying, Oh, hey, you got to stop. Let's, yeah, let's that's score no more. Yeah, that's, that's, it's silly to do all that stuff. See, all of that, all that does is help your run differential and help your team batting average, but that has nothing to do with winning in the postseason. All that stuff means nothing. Well, you just score enough runs to win a game and then just say, well, I'm an Astro at Minute Maid Park. I can't get a hit. I can't get on base. Yeah, you'll be okay for it. I mean, oh, we never easy. score. I'm so sick of never scoring runs at home. Look, I love the fact that they're great on the road. I think that helps you overall. But, like, enough of this. Get a base hit. Can somebody get on base? I mean, when they're at home, they're never on base, ever. Everybody's just an out. It's unbelievable. Well, Kyle Tucker got you worried, huh? Oh, I'm worried about him. He got that awful uppercut swing. And, it looked for the last two years, it's worked. But, man, and, and for the for a lot, for some of this year, it's worked. But he has been in a slump for over a month now. He's down into the 230s. The way he's looking right now, he's going to be in the 220s by the weekend. He never gets on base. Well, lucky you got a good cushion and, and you got time to work it out. You can oh, you got plenty man. time to work it out when the playoffs start. So you, you should be all right. Just, then, just they, then they want to move him to center field. That cat don't even know how to stand in the batter's box right now. They want to move him to center field. I agree with that, though. You should have got some kind of center field. I mean, oh. the Cubs, the Cubs couldn't have wanted too much for Ian Happ. Huh? Oh, that, awful, awful, awful. I mean, Ian Happ and, and, and Paris were hugging each other last week in the bullpen because they thought their, and they're their both still Cubs there. Career was over, and they don't even move them. Oh, just pitiful. That was very yeah, disappointing not getting the center fielder yet. I cannot watch Jake Myers play baseball no more. They have got to get that guy off my TV screen. Jake Myers is awful. I mean, how can you be a World Series contender and you got that guy in center field right now? He can't he never he doesn't even come close to getting on base. Well, you didn't pick up nobody, so you have what other Jake you Myers. have. I mean, you you don't want to move Icky to center field right now. I'd rather see McCormick out there. At least he has a chance. Jake Myers has no chance. He's terrible. All right, I got to take a break. All right, but We'll be back on the game. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. want to remind you, 
Well, before we do that, we'll push that back. Uh, I mentioned Tyron Matthew, and Tyron Matthew has ended his holdout. And I guess I don't have confirmation that he was at practice today, but there were people believing that he would be at practice today. So, again, I wasn't very worried. The Saints are pretty good at respecting veterans. Now, I know Tyron Matthew has never played for the Saints before, but he's a respected veteran in this league. And they, you know, I know it's a new coaching staff, a new head coach, largely the same coaching staff. And, but, so I'm, I'm, I was not real shocked that they gave him his privacy and they didn't talk about it and they gave him the time he needed. But he was out a week. I am worried about that because, again, number one on my list of Saints concerns is that the safeties are on the same page and they don't throw a game away against a team they're better than the first month of the season. So I'm very, I'm, I'm more concerned about the football side of this. But as far you know, some people are the Saints and the organization are mad with him. I don't, I, I don't, I don't believe he's mad at the organization. I don't believe all that stuff. All right, that's it for the first hour. Second hour, open phone lines, lots to discuss. We'll do it next on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. 1037 Live at 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. I um again the game hotline is 706-0111-706-0111. Man, it's been an interesting week with all kind of stuff going on, but in a unique category of now two highly respected sports figures from teams that I do not like and one that I really don't like right now, dying, but the respect that you have for them kind of makes it hard to say anything negative. So it's like, I mean, look, I, 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 the punks are just on my, you know, they're my least liked team in all of baseball right now. Um, and yet, Vin Scully, you know, I would never even think about saying that he falls in that category. I mean, he was he was just fabulous. I mean, you know, obviously just tremendous. And um, his story in baseball is incredible he was a great storyteller he had a great smooth voice a lot of people don't remember that he did football and golf and and other sports as well he wasn't just a baseball guy he was a great announcer but he was a great baseball announcer and um broadcaster and um you know was around way well before I was around and um remember him for years doing baseball, just tremendous. So, um, you know, first it was Bill Russell who played for the Celtics, 
who I never liked. Uh, but I mean, is I mean, how much bad can you say about Bill Russell? I mean, he was, you know, he is what he is. So it was, um, it's been interesting there that we had two, two major all-time sports figures pass away this week, and it, um, or that you know since the weekend on teams that I don't like. But so I don't know, trying to give me a little perspective, and I need some after watching the Astros. Again, the last I was going to say the last two days, but it's been it's really been five years of this stuff. Like they just they cannot get on base at home. Now they're not they haven't really gotten on base all season, but when they're at home, it's really bad. Like they 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 they're just completely inept offensively at home. I, I don't know what they're. All right, the game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. I did, um, we talked about the Saints a little bit in the first hour, a little bit before and a little bit after we interviewed Koki. And I want to talk about the guy I mentioned, Chris Herndon. Look, if if there's a position that Saints fans would say, okay, where is the biggest question mark? You would have to say tight end. Now, I'm a little more patient than a lot of fans uh, when it comes to pulling for their teams. I am not quite as down on the tight end position as most Saints fans and media members. But again, I'm I'm a glass half full fan. So I have a little more patience than most. But there's no question that if you said the number one question mark position on the Saints team is tied in, I I, I I would go. I couldn't argue with that. Um, I still think Troutman could be a good player. I think the Saints have been had a lot of issues on offense in the last couple of years. He should have played better than he did, but it's it's it. I don't think people realize how messed up the Saints' offense was last year. I don't, I don't think they realize it. Um, and so I, I'm I'm willing to say, okay, that I mean, look, if if a year from now he didn't he didn't, if he doesn't do well next year and people are ready to ditch on him, I get that. But I, I, it will not surprise me at all. In fact, I expect him to look much better this year. But with that said, Chris Herndon um, intrigues me. And the reason why I say that is he was drafted in 2018 by the Jets. Putrid offense. The Jets have been awful on offense, you know, in that era since he got drafted. As a, as a rookie, tied in. Remember, other than maybe quarterback, the toughest position to make an immediate impact on at tight as a rookie or a young player is tight end. And as a rookie on a bad offense, he had 39 catches for 502 yards and four touchdowns on a bad offense and a bad football team. Uh, in 19, he got hurt. And only played in one game. So, I mean, that, you know, nothing there. In 20, he had 31 catches 
for and three touchdowns on an awful football team and a terrible offense with no quarterback play. And then it didn't work out. They got a new coach, and he went to the Vikings, a new situation, and he, and he hardly played. So, again, not counting the 19th season because he got hurt and he only played one game. Two of the three seasons he's played, he's been pretty good. I think he's got athletic ability. I think he's still young enough to to, for, to where you could say, well, we don't know yet what his ceiling is. You know, I, I don't know what they think of Troutman and Jawan Johnson. Like, I, I, I got a feeling the Jawan Johnson experiment's about over. Could be wrong. We'll see what happens. But that's a guy that was kind of a mediocre wide receiver, but he had some size, so we, and he could block really well for a wide receiver. So they said, well, let's move to tight end. And he had the real, you know, a couple moments, especially early last year in the opener, and he hasn't really done anything since. And, you know, you keep you hear all these reports about how he didn't really understand the playbook, and he, he's, you know. So I kind of feel like the Juwan, expect the Jawan Johnson experiment to end this year. And then Nick Vanette, I thought, could be a replacement last year for Josh Hill. But, you know, he was one of the many players on offense that spent most of the year injured. And when he and, and then he never threw him the ball when he played. So I, I, I don't know. I think Nick Vanette can be Josh Hill. Good blocker. Catch the ball if you throw it to him kind of a guy. I expect more from him this year. We'll see how that plays out. And, and and then you got, you know, again, th- this idea that Batman is going to be a full-time tight end, I- I've never bought. So I don't re- – and now he's got bruised ribs, although I don't know how serious that is. But I, I think Batman is going to be on the field a lot, but I don't think he's going to be like a Jimmy Graham-type target. I'm not talking about as good as Jimmy Graham. I don't think he's going to be like a – you know, Ben Watson, where you're like, he's the number one target at tight end kind of a guy. I I don't think they're going to use him in that way. I, I still think he's going to be largely slash, not number one tight end target down the field, you know, get whatever, 60 or 70 targets in a season. I, I, I don't, I don't expect that. Look, if it happens, I'll be thrilled because I, I never thought they, threw the ball enough to him or through or through you know him through passes enough in his Batman role. So this guy Chris Herndon intrigues me. He's gonna be one of the ones that when they get to the first preseason game, which uh is a week from Saturday, if he catches a pass, my ears are gonna, you know, my it's gonna get interesting. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna enjoy that little moment there. Because I, I still think he's got he's done enough and enough reasons to believe that he has not reached his potential. So I, I, I'm I'm excited about the Chris Herndon signing, and we'll see now again what his work ethic is. You know, does you know I, I don't know about any of the behind the scenes stuff. I don't know anything behind the scenes about Chris Herndon. Is he gonna is he gonna fit in with this team? Does he have a good attitude? I, I don't know any of that stuff. I'm just talking about his height, weight, physical build at a position of need, and he's done enough 
Again, there's not that many rookie tight ends they catch for 500 yards and four touchdowns their rookie year, especially on an awful offense. So, um, I don't know. I'm excited about him. We'll see what can happen there. I was thinking more about James's question, like what other – I just don't think this is a team – like I know there are a lot of people out there that think the Saints are like in this serious rebuilding mode. You know, I read a couple of weeks ago one of these national football NFL expert analysts got they said what the Saints need to do is just tear it all down and start over. And I'm thinking, what are you talking about? It's the best roster I've ever seen for the Saints. And um, you know, and and so I don't think there's that many open positions. Now we did mention. Um, I we did mention a guy last week, Eric Wilson, a guy who played for the also played for the Vikings recently, who has been in the league for a while, uh, since and 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 he did since seventeen. He's a year. He came into the league a year before Herndon did, and he's a linebacker, and that's another position that has some depth issues. So, to to further answer James's question, like who could be kind of a behind-the-scenes guy, not a lot of people are talking about, that could make an impact? I don't know if he will, but Quan is now with the Jets. You know, Ellis has been a pretty functional player when he's been hurt as a backup. You know, I haven't totally given up on Zach Bond because I think they drafted him to play a position that really doesn't fit him. I... I I think there's been a little bit of a square peg round hole situation with Zach Bond. So I'm not but I'm not ready to give up on him. Uh as a football player, he's helped on special teams and had some great hits on special teams, but but I think Eric Wilson is a guy who might keep a keep an eye on as someone who could surprise in camp. But I I just don't think there are that many spots just up for grabs right now. I know the national perspective is uh, and some local people have bought it, that propaganda that this is a rebuilding team with all these holes and a depleted roster and all this garbage I've been hearing for over a year, which I don't buy any of it. Um, but I, I don't think there's that many open spots. But, you know, there's like to James's points, there's always a little bit of, um, of, of surprise, you know, surprising players in camp. So we'll see. I know this. The safety's got to get their act together. Will Lutz has to return to form. It's very important that Will Lutz return to form. I think the Saints put a lot of emphasis on special teams. I think if Will Lutz returns to form, this has a chance to be the best special teams unit in the entire league. You, you know, JT Gray is a special Pro Bowl special team performer. I don't think they're cutting him. Um, Alante Taylor, a lot of people didn't like that pick, and I understand why, but I think he's going to be a great special teams player. And so it's um, those are like the dotting the I's, crossing the T's and dotting the I's things that I don't think a lot of people think about when they analyze football teams. And the Saints have a great young. I know I'm ter- throwing that term great around, but this guy, look, this punter looks unbelievable. 
this punter the Saints have. He was tremendous. Like, he was probably the highlight of the whole season last year. It was a season full of frustration. But, man, this guy was tremendous as a punter. I couldn't even believe what I was watching. So they have a chance to win like the Patriots used to win, really. I mean, like, Casper DeQuitter used to talk about the Patriots all the time, especially early on in his time with the Saints. But I think they have a chance to to win like the Patriots did. And, you know, when I say Tom Brady's entire career has been a pleasure cruise, part of what I'm talking about is he played his whole career with the with a great special teams unit and a defense that was either great at taking the ball away or just great, period, not, not giving up yards. They had a few years in there where they gave up a lot of yards, but they were always great at turnovers. And he always had a ton of short fields. So easy to play quarterback when you have short fields on a regular basis. Breeze never had that until the last two or three years of his career. Great special teams with a defense that was good and constantly turn over the ball and gave you short fields. Never had that. He was constantly looking at 80 yards to a touchdown, constantly, because the special teams units were were awful for the first 12 or 13 years there. There's no special teams. Never had a kicker. Never, and the special teams units were terrible. And so now they have a chance to be elite. That goes into winning football games. People don't understand that. Just don't, just don't get it. So. I don't know whether it's going to be Chris Herndon or Troutman. Somebody's got to step up and tie it in. There's no question about that. But, again, my number one concern is still safety. Not that there's not talent there, like we were talking about earlier, but I'm talking about these safeties who are going to be on the team. I mean, there's no they're not cutting Marcus May. They're not cutting Tyron Matthew. So they're, they're entrenched as, you know, either starters or, or top backup guys, in May's case, potentially. But even my number one concern is that they're all on the same page. They're both new. They're new to each other. They're new to Dennis Allen. They're new to the, you know, all the coaches and players on defense. They they cannot allow big plays that lose football games like like they did the first year that Malcolm was here with Marcus Williams and, and just give up a game to a team they're better than early in the season. Can't afford that. Can't afford it. All right. We'll take a timeout. Try to breathe a little bit. The Astros just made another out, by the way. That's all they do. The Ash the the, the Houston. The Houston um outs. That's what we're gonna call them until they score a run. We'll take a timeout. When we come back, we'll get back to the game hotline. We'll be back on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana, Sports Station. Do your loved ones run for cover when watching a game with you? Then Footnotes is the show for you. Time for more Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Oh. 
Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. If you would like to see the Astros play on Saturday, August the 27th against the Baltimore Orioles, a night of orange at Minute Maid Park. You and if you join the game clubhouse, you would be eligible to win Astro Weekend Getaway, which would give you four tickets to the game, tour Minute Maid Park where the Astros never score runs, and hotel accommodations. Astro Weekend Getaways powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian Houston downtown, and the game Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, Kev, it's Joey. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. It's that time of year, bro. Starting to get excited. I was listening to your rant about Brady, and I'm thinking his last Super Bowl pretty much summed up everything you said, especially against the Saints, the playoff win against the Saints. You know, he had four 40-yard fields, and everybody touting how great he was instead of saying the defense actually carried that team that week, or actually that whole playoff series. Yeah, so, they... it's, it's, hey, it's, it's part of it like real estate bro location 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 it's where you are when you're there and and it doesn't take away from the fact how great he is i mean the guy does and people are dying to play with him but i'm i'm having a ball watching his his offensive linemen drop like flies this off season so uh, that's going to be interesting because the one knock on brady is he does not like getting hit he does not like pressure and when you lose a center and two guards that's going to impact the way he plays. So it's that's going to be that's going to be interesting to see how that unfolds. He can't afford to lose anymore, and it's happened early enough where they can probably get replacements in. But the the caliber of players that he's lost on the front line to injury in preseason is pretty relevant. So it'll be interesting to watch. But switching to the Saints, dude, to me the most important player to watch in training camp is Abram Smith. Uh, I, I just think that as an undrafted free agent running back, he can really make an impact on this team, not only on special teams, but in a position that's probably thinner than tight end. We've still got the Swiss Army knife that can play tight end. We don't have any running backs, and one of them, his, his court date got pushed back, but <clears throat> I'm curious to see if, if, if uh, Z28 gets suspended at all this year now. He may end up playing the whole season, which could be a blessing. But we just don't know, and you've got to prepare for that contingency. So Smith, uh, he's he's an important piece of the puzzle right now, and we got to see how we perform. Preseason is going to be a great indicator of 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 how far he's come along, and whether or not he can block is the key. Um, he's a former linebacker, so you can't question his toughness. And I think uh, he was underlooked. I think the fact that he's 24 is why. He fell in drafts. The guy should have been drafted. So to get him as an undrafted free agent, I thought was a great move by the Saints. But he's the guy I'm watching the most this preseason. Well, and, you know, a lot of people say Malcolm Brown can really block. That, that, that That's a strength of his, and he's physical. So, I, you know, I, I, I've, I, I did not want Malcolm Brown, but um, – but I wanted a veteran running back, and so he might fit that bill. And 
And look, I, I thought Superman did a little better, had a little more left in the tank than I thought. We just know he's going to get hurt. And so you just don't know when he's going to get hurt and how many games he's going to miss. But he, he actually was a little better. So if he's part of a committee, I think he could still contribute a little bit. Um, you know, I, I, I'm fine. I, as long as they don't make Z28 a dump truck and they got enough other bodies to handle the ball and do some of the, the grunt work, I, I'm fine with running back. Well, and, and again, we look back at how we used to complain about how little they used Ingram early in his career, and the benefit for him has been now he's got gas left in the tank toward the end of his career. I think the lack of a pounding he took in his first five years, I mean, he was no Derrick Henry, that's for sure. He, we used to fuss that he didn't get the ball enough, and I think that's what really led to his resurgence late in his career. And, and he, he's always been a great pass protector. He's always been a great teammate. Uh, I, I thought he was a great pickup when we went and got him from Houston or the Texans. So we just need some – you can't count on Kamara because the, the, the pending suspension, and you said it best, you can't run Kamara like a dump truck. He's got a special role, and we need to keep him for that, keep him healthy. And I think Abram is a lot closer to Ingram and can the between those two, we can get our between the tackles running and leave some stuff for Kamara to get out in space. I won't be shocked if if Winston has thirty plus touchdowns in the air this year. The the array of weapons he has, I think Landry was the final really good quiet pickup because I could see Landry getting a ton of balls as we get rid of the ball quickly and his great route running and great hands. So. Uh, the full array of, of weapons we have in that wide receiver room. It's, to me, the best wide receiving core we've ever had in my lifetime. I can't think of a better one when we had literally depth, talent, speed, possession, route runner, hands. Got, got, uh, got the that. deepest wide receiving core uh, in franchise history. Got the best core cornerbacks in franchise history arguably, I don't know if it's the best safety group, but it's in that discussion in franchise history. Uh, got one of the best middle linebacker or linebackers in franchise history, and their defensive line's pretty deep, but it's a depleted roster. You know, rebuilding year. Yeah, they need is, to shut this whole thing really down and start fun. from scratch. It really is fun watching these. You know, And again, we're just nobody pays attention to New Orleans, and now especially that Sean Payton's gone, it's easy to just be lazy and say, oh, they got a coaching change and Drew Brees ain't there, so they're going to rebuild. And I agree with you, Kevin. I think they've done a masterful job of getting a course that all depends on Winston. We need Winston to play like he's capable of playing. And, again, if he doesn't get hurt last year, no telling. I am I, 100% certain that we would have been in the playoffs if, if Winston didn't get hurt last year. Now, well, so of course they would have playoff been. Yeah, team, yeah. But every team can say that. You know, a key is you, you can't lose a quarterback and and continue to be successful on a regular basis. So uh, we've been so spoiled for so long at having quarterback position being one of the, the most secure spots in the field that last year was really an anomaly going through so many quarterbacks. But I think that's part of the growth of the team. And look, without that stupid Miami game, which when you did your summer project, I wanted to call and say, look, it's it's not the most disappointing loss, with the exception of the fact that they made them play that game. That Miami game with the with the freshman squad, the JV squad, was an embarrassment to the league. And without that one game, we're in the playoffs. So I agree with you. I think the roster's deep. I think it's a playoff team. I like being 
below the radar. Frankly, I just no. Love I, I agree with I agree with that. Teams, and we'll have some fun this year, dude. All right, thanks, Joey. God bless, man. Have a great Take day. Take care. Got a question about um, Jackson, the uh, linebacker from App State, and we talked about him last week, and because he, he had kind of flashed with his coverage skills, he's known as a tackling machine during his career uh, at App. And I did not mention him when I was going over the linebacking depth a little bit earlier this hour, and so it, 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 that's a good point. I should have mentioned him. I, is he going to beat out the veterans? I, I don't know. I. I if you, I if my best guess, and again, total guess, I have no idea, um, would be that he would be a practice squad guy because I think they liked him. The early reports are good. I just, um, I just think this is a kind of a team that they're going to depend more on veterans who have been there and done it for them than they would a rookie in that in that as a backup linebacker. But we'll see um, if he's really as good as. I, I I would think he would be at least practice squad, but yeah, he should have been mentioned for sure on the uh, on the line. You know, he's he he's a potential option as linebacker depth, uh, in addition to the other guys that we mentioned. Again, I you can all, I guess you could always improve in linebacker, but I'm 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 fine. I, I was I was pleasantly surprised with what Warner did last year. Um. I, I was not as high on that pick when they made it, and yet after watching him play a season, I'm like, well, the coaches knew what they were talking about. They evaluate him, and uh, he's he's done training. Plus, he's an Ohio State player. I mean, it, you know, that's just the you know the New Orleans Buckeyes. That's just kind of what it is, and uh, and hopefully that continues, and hopefully Plastic Man can get back to playing like an elite ex Ohio State player and. And uh, you know, and 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 get back to being a productive target. So, I don't think there's a lot of question marks here, but um, there's a couple, and uh, we 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 we've hit on a, on a couple of them. But 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 you're right. I mean, I mean, the answer to the question, of course, Abram Smith's name's been mentioned so much on this show and by people analyzing the Saints even since the rookie minicamps, and I don't know if he's a behind-the-scenes guy anymore. I mean, I know he's an undrafted free agent, but, like, his name's been mentioned a lot. And so, but 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 that that's probably really the the, the answer to the question, like what kind of behind-the-scenes, you know, I don't know if behind-the-scenes the word, but unnamed or relative unknown guy is going to make a big impact. And if the answer... Probably the best answer for the Saints is 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 if it is Abram Smith, um, if he's as good as some people think he could be, that would be that would be tremendous. Um, but again, still a long time. I I would love for it. You know, the, the, I think tight ends. It, it, it's just a position where there's so many. Like they had like ten or eleven in camp, and so there's so many guys that. Could put, but there's they're only going to keep three. Maybe you know the guy from Pitt would be on the practice squad if he doesn't make the team. If he doesn't really well, although he's really impressed some people early on. Um, so no, I I think the tight end battle and and the Abram Smith running back situation, those are going to be the things through to to really watch and see who steps up when the preseason games begin 
a week and a half from now. All right, we'll take a timeout. Come back. Still plenty of stuff we haven't gotten to today that I had written down to discuss, and we'll do some of that next on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. August 3rd. 1909, MLB umpire Tim Hurst instigates a riot by spitting in the face of A second baseman Eddie Collins after he had questioned a call. Hurst is later banned for life. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. To footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game, 1037 Lavia, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Want to remind you about the game clubhouse. If you have not joined, you could win a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou, $50 gift certificate to Acadiana Bar and Grill, or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen, but you can only score any of these great prizes by joining the Game Clubhouse Rewards Club today. It's free, it's simple, so go to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. All right, we we were talking LSU football with Koki. We talked about the Saints situation uh, and a couple calls discussing that, and then, of course, I was whining about the Astros never getting a hit, never getting on base, never scoring the runs at Minute Maid Park, which is getting really, really old, and I'm very concerned about Icky. So even because we discussed all those things, we didn't get to a couple major national reactions to some major national stories that I meant to discuss today. One of them, we'll start with the Soto trade. It was just kind of happening when I got off the air yesterday. And I keep hearing Major Hall. For those of you who think that the Padres gave up a lot, I I just, first of all, I don't agree with that, if that, if you agree, if you have that opinion, but, or with that assessment. Let me ask you this. If a really good player, a really good player, is traded, one, is traded and you get three prospects, three pretty good prospects, that's not out of line. Like, if you tra- if you acquire Josh Bell, who's an upper echelon first baseman right now, he's been hitting over 300 all year long, um, with some pop in his bat, and he's a switch hitter. If if you say, okay, you, you got him for three minor leaguers, no one would blink an eye on that. So you got arguably the best player of the generation. That's what he's being built up as, the best hitter of his generation. And you got him for three players, four players. I mean, again, if, if, if you would have told me what, what, what would the Padres give up to get Juan Soto? And you told me, okay, you're going to give up, at the time, a first baseman on the back of his career in Hosmer, who, which was the original deal, but he he pitched a fit, so they'd send him, and they gave him Luke Voigt, who's an unproven first baseman. Who's like a lower-level major league first baseman. 
essentially a backup. So you you got you gave up that. You gave up a young pitcher who's a pretty high prospect who's had some success, but he's still young and unproven. And, you know, these four supposed top prospects, but like two of them are in class A. I don't care how highly he's ranked. He's still a class A baseball player. You don't know what that guy's going to do. If you'd have given up all of that for Juan Soto, I'd have said, okay. But again, it wasn't just Juan Soto. You got Bell, too. I thought the Padres came out smelling like a rose in this deal. They got two above average to elite players. And they gave up a first baseman who didn't even, who cares if he's even on your team in Luke Voigt, a pitcher in Gore who's a good young pitcher, but it's not like elite. And four prospects, a couple of them are Class A players. Now, they're, they're highly thought of, but they're still – we don't know when they're going to be in the major leagues. I, I thought I thought that was not a haul. I, I thought the Nationals didn't get enough. The other big major news, and people are saying things that just doesn't make sense to me. Again, it's all about perspective, and you have difference of opinions. That's, you know, that's fine. But – the Dolphins, I've heard more than one announcer talk about how the Dolphins got hammered. Unprecedented, brutal sanctions for the Miami Dolphins for tampering. They got fined $1.5 million. What is $1.5 million to an NFL football franchise? Really, what is that for me? That's like... $10? I mean, what is that? $1.5 million is nothing. Like, if you sign a player and you say, well, he's getting paid $1.5 million. That was a big deal 40 years ago. Like, if you sign a player, you say, well, you sign him to a $1.5 million contract. No one's even going to blink. You're going to say, well, that ain't much money for, for a professional athlete. This is the NFL franchise. This $1.5 million fine, that's nothing. But people are acting like that's a big, like, I hear that. They're saying it's a big deal. I'm saying um, $1.5 million to an NFL franchise is nothing. I I, I don't get it. So the other thing they got fine is um, the other part of the sanction was they they lost a first-round draft pick. I did hear the point today. <clears throat> that if Tua turns out to be not good and they decide they want to trade for a quarterback, not having those two first-round picks could impact potentially replacing Tua. I think that's a legitimate point. But they could always just give away, you know, the first-round pick the next year instead of just – but the fact that they already had two first-round picks – Yeah, it it hurts giving up a first-round pick. I'm not saying that's nothing. But you you still have one. Like, so if I'm a Dolphin fan, I'm thinking, well, they find us 1.5 million. Who cares? That's irrelevant. It's not even a big figure. And it hurts that you you took a first-round pick away, but I I had two first-round picks, so I still have a first-round pick. So it's not like you just, oh, man, I don't know where they're going to build for the future of the franchise. I mean, most teams just have one first-round pick. I, I I don't. Now, 
Ross can't be on all these committees that he was on, and he can't technically go to a game until October, like he's going to miss the first. But, I mean, does that really impact your football team? Like, it means that Ross watches a game on television, maybe at his house, and he doesn't go to these meetings. Like, why does – I mean, I, I don't I don't think that hurts the football team. How does that impact the football team? Steven Ross isn't at the game. How many players worry about whether the owners in the press box are watching the game at home or in some sports bar? Right? I, 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 think, I think the severity of these sanctions have been greatly overblown. Then they've got this other um, – This other front office guy who was involved, he got fined, what, 500000 and he's banned. I mean, again, it's big for him. I don't think it hurts the football team that this front office guy that no one knows about got fined 500000 and, and and he can't be, you know, part of the organization for a year. It's not good for him. I don't think it hurts the football team. I, 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 I think nationally they're way overblowing this. Personally, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, how are you doing? Pretty good, sir. Hello. Hey, listen, you were talking. You're talking in reference to this suspension, and I agree with you to an extent that the money isn't that big of a deal. It's a, you know, you're finding a billionaire. Yeah. You know, um, so big is basically what yeah. you're saying. But now the suspension. Now, how many games did Dan Snyder, the the predator, because he was what sexually sexual misconduct with the with his team, he didn't get suspended at all, from what I understand. Right. So how how is that possible that he did not get suspended for being a pervert, but this guy gets suspended for supposed tampering? Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't know. Is, what does that tell you about the NFL and the, you know, the, the upper echelon and what they think? I think I think it says <laughs> that they think that there's sexual misconduct in offices all over the country, but this was their only. This is according to Goodell. This was in all his years in the NFL the most severe tampering case that he's ever seen or heard of. I mean, I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm saying I, I think that's what goes into their mentality. I'm thinking Schneider must have something on him, you know, some photos, some information or whatever, because all the dirt that has apparently come out about him, and he's still running his franchise with no suspension. Right. I, I did read somewhere they did get fined $10, $10 million, if I'm not mistaken, which, again, like you said, is dropping the bucket for a billionaire. And I, I think the I think the behind the scenes story or theme here is that the NFL has been protecting its owners way too much for way too long. Like they no, can the do fans, things and, and and they get nothing. But here's the thing: the fans are okay with it for the most part, and those who report on the game, the local sports media and the national sports media are okay with it for the most part. It's a very small percentage that will actually come out and say something negative about the NFL. Well, that's true. Yes, you're right. You know, so so what, what the fan is getting from consuming from their media is they go along with it. No, I think you're largely correct. Yes, sir. You no, know, but I, it, it's just amazing that you know you you, you the 
this guy will get suspended from Miami, but Schneider just skates along. I, I can't. You know, again, I would think that the I think that's a one example where the majority of what are they commander fans probably don't like him and are sick of him and hoping that that the NFL does something to him, but it hadn't happened yet. Well, the best way to show their displeasure is, you know what, don't show up to a single solitary game. An empty stadium will say a lot. Oh, absolutely. You're correct about that. Thank you, sir. Good talking to you again. Thank you. We'll take a timeout and come back, finish out today's show next on the game. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You're on for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. The Astros will try to score some runs in a home game. If it happens, it might have to shut the season down and hold a parade. But because uh, it never, they don't ever seem to get on base. But, you know, the Astros will be playing uh, 110 first pitch, trying to avoid their second sweep in a week to a team that, you know, most people, you know, the well, they got swept by the A's, the wor- arguably the worst team in the American League. And, and then now they're in jeopardy of getting swept by the Red Sox, who over the last month's probably been the worst team in the American League. Um, pitiful. Pitiful. But uh, you can hear that game right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 FM. A lot of gay games today. I was just looking at the schedule. The Yankees play the Mariners at noon. There are nine day games today. I mean, it's not that unusual, I guess, because they get away. But not every getaway day do you have nine day games uh, every Wednesday or a Thursday. But, uh, yeah, it looks that way. Lots of day games today. I was not surprised that the Mariners won last night, but I was surprised that they gave up as many runs as they did. Logan Gilbert's a pretty good young pitcher. Um, I was surprised the Yankees scored six runs off of them, and it just shows you how good the Yankees are. But offensively, against everybody pretty much besides the Astros. But again, I, I didn't make this point yesterday. Judge hit another home run. They, I mean, they just why why do major so many major league pitchers just put the ball on a tee for Judge? I mean, he's hitting home runs on balls that are right in his wheelhouse over and over. He's not gonna miss those hardly ever. Stop doing it. I, I just it, they make it too easy for him. Now again, it's impressive that he don't miss anything hardly ever. But 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 he's gotta they gotta pitch better than that. So we'll see. The Astros can avoid the sweep. Boy, I need it. I need it bad. Y'all have a nice day.